Welcome to Centering, the podcast on Asian American Christianity, a conversation centering Christ and Asian American perspectives, featuring Daniel Lee, theology and ministry professor at Fuller Seminary. Hello, podcast friends, and welcome to another week of Centering, the podcast on Asian American Christianity. I'm your host, Kevin Doy, and if you've listened to our first episode and are back, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, we're glad that you're back, and if you're with us for the first time, we're really grateful that you've tuned in. Today, for the second week, we have Daniel Lee, Professor of Theology and Ministry at Fuller Seminary, and um, he's going to talk a little bit about story, in particular, our stories and why they matter at all uh, to us and ultimately to God. So Daniel, last week you actually mentioned that we worship one God, and that's kind of a universal truth and understanding. So the question becomes, why do we need different perspectives? Why an Asian American perspective, for instance? Isn't that just tribalism? Let me try to describe this from a, a biblical perspective, some biblical examples here. It's true the fact that God is one God, God is an eternal God. I mean, God never changes, right? But it's not true the fact that God interacts with everybody the same way. Nor does God call everybody to exact same calling. This is the example I always use. God calls Esther to a very particular task because she's at a very particular situation as a woman, as a queen, under an empire. Um, she's a very difficult task, but it's a very particular task. Now, let's take that calling right, and give it to Moses. It just doesn't work. It makes no sense, actually. And you realize that over and over, God's, God interacts with people in a very particular way. And it doesn't mean that God changes. It's just the fact that God sees us, and God sees different people where they are, and God calls people. I can't interchange Deborah's calling, even though there are women, Deborah's calling with Esther's calling, with Mary's calling, or even with Mary Magdalene's calling. Or Priscilla's calling, right? It doesn't make any sense to think of it that way. So because God actually sees us and interacts with us covenantally, right? Like both parties matter. Not because we are important, but because God values that. Mm -hmm. That's why, in theologically speaking, where we are and our experience of God and our witnessing to how God is moving actually makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Esther has something different, different to say about who God is, how God works, than Moses. And we need to hear that. Mm. And that's valuable. Mm. right? It's not so much the fact that uh, God is everything and we are nothing. I mean, mm. it could be like that if God wanted it to be that way. But God says, that's not what I want. That's mm. not the kind of relationship that I want. And so fundamentally, from a theological perspective, where we are and our experiences matter profoundly. Mm. That's a very helpful analogy because both the story of Esther and Moses are in many respects, similar because they're salvation stories. And yet you're saying God has chosen because these are different times and contexts, different situations, and different people, that God chooses to interact differently uh, to Esther as he would or she would, Moses. Is it also true that different people interact with God differently too because they are different and they are in, come from different time periods, different contexts, there are different factors in, in play. Is that also true? Yes, I mean, well, let's think about this a bit even, like just take an example from my, my parenting, right? I mean, for me to be absolutely fair to my kids, 
I have three daughters. They're absolutely so different <laughs> from each other. And you know, parents know, you can't treat every single kid the same. It doesn't work that way. Like you would, that would be unfair. There's something about realizing the fact that, okay, this is where that person is. And if I do this, not only is it not going to work, that's just not being fair to where people are. And of course, C.S. Lewis talks about how you don't really know why are people at different places in their journey. And he says, well, you don't know where they started from. You might be like, why is this person so not disciplined? Well, you don't know how far they come from. So you and your wife understand that your children are different, so you interact with them differently. And I would imagine your children, because they're different, also respond and interact differently with, with the two of you. I want to kind of go back to this idea of God interacting with us, taking into consideration that our contacts and our stories matter to him, and also the fact that we, we are free then to interact with God, uh, not in some ideal way or abstract way, but from where we are. So the question comes to mind, why not just Christian? Like, why do we have to qualify it being Asian American theology, Asian American ministry, because for much of my Christianity, it was just Christianity. Uh, it was just the church. You know, so why is this qualifier necessary? That's a really good question. Asian American theology is not about Asian Americans. It's about God. But the people who are pointing to this God are Asian Americans, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes because we don't recognize, we don't realize, wow, can Asian Americans talk about God? But aren't the experts white people? Mm. All the theology professors are white people. All the famous theologians throughout history are white people. Isn't that true? What I think people have come to see over the years is the fact that that's a distinctive perspective. There are certain things that's included. There are certain things that are not included because that's a perspective. So nobody in, throughout church history experiences God directly like we don't experience the universal god directly that's impossible we always experience god in our time and space because we're limited so therefore we always experience the universal god in particular ways now hopefully in our particular ways when we point back to god we need to point back to the universal god so whatever i say about god should apply to you as well right you can't be like well my god's this way then you were talking about literally the tribal god mm -hmm. but it can be my perspective that I see something that really is, once again, talking about the universal God that you can benefit from, right? So that's basically what we're talking about. Uh, the focus is God, but this perspective of pointing to, and then that serving the whole church is what we're talking about, right? So many times we've had one perspective claim the fact that universal, when in fact it's impossible for that perspective. I mean, just even historically, it's impossible to say we've covered everything. And that's why I think these days, you know, I mean, we talk about Asian American theology once again, but it's, or Hispanic theology or black theology, how all those things once again have a, we, we get a fuller picture of the universal God. So that's, I think that's a way of thinking about it. In your experience as a pastor and um, now as a professor who interacts with lots of different leaders, church leaders, and students who come from contexts where, it might even be within an Asian church or an Asian American church where for them theology is still like Western theology, European theology is just theology. And somehow we think, well, that's really what's normative. And, and you're saying that's not neutral. 
<laughs> that in some ways that's just one perspective or that also needs qualifying if we're if we're going to be fair about it and accurate about it so how do you help people see what they don't see how did how do you help people to acknowledge what hasn't been acknowledged at least here in north america for <laughs> 200 years for instance yeah you know um once again, the problem is we don't see what we don't see, right? Uh, one of the things that I've seen over the years is that a lot of Asian Americans, they, they assume the fact that they know their experience because they grew up as an Asian American. Like, of course I know my experience. And, you know, when, we, when they go to our classes, they say, oh, I didn't realize the fact that there are certain aspects of our exp my experience I have a lot of words to describe, but there are other aspects of my experience, like I babble. For example, uh, Ken, Ken Fong and I, we used to talk, about, we used to talk joke around about the fact that growing up, he would point to different things in his life and, and say, that's Chinesey. I'm like, what's Chinesey? <laughs> well, that's Chinesey. That's Chinesey. That's Chinesey. He's like, what? I mean, that's like, that's like baby babbling, right? Because we have no other articulated words. <laughs> this is not an adult level language. It's actually babble. You just point to stuff. And I mean, I grew up in saying, people used to say, uh, well, that's Korean. I'm like, well, you know, Korean, like authoritative, negative, crappy, whatever. I'm like, that's terrible because they were Korean, right? Why would you say it this way? Um, because we don't know how to delineate these things. I, I kind of describe it as dealing with parts of ourselves because there are certain parts of ourselves we have a lot of language for. I mean, our whole education gave us language to articulate, 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 and fine-tune, right? Deal with our, our, our lives in that way. And then there are other aspects of ourselves, the Asian American aspects, where we deal with the sledgehammer. Like, do I take it or leave it? <laughs> I mean, that's just nonsense, right? But if we don't have words to articulate, mm -hmm. that's what we do. We have no other choice. And so we spend a lot of time in our program, and just generally when I talk to people, how do you have language to articulate your experience? And that language must be learned. Mm -hmm. It's not something you can just kind of a, you know, grab, grab, acquire everywhere. And the more sophisticated your language is, the better you'll be able to deal with your lives with a scalpel mm. and not a sledgehammer. Mm. Mm. Can you give us an example of how uh, a particular Asian American experience might change how we think about something that we just assumed was universal? It was just Christian um, that either we didn't have language for or the way that typical evangelical churches of the dominant culture would talk about things. But um, we knew maybe intuitively like uh, that doesn't quite fit me, but we don't know how it doesn't fit us. Can you give like some an example that would help our listeners understand what you're talking about? Well, I, so I have, I have two examples. <laughs> I always tell. One example is this. So there's a, at this multicultural church, I guess whatever multicultural means, uh, about like half the congregation is Asian American, but the senior pastor is white. And this pastor says, you know what? You don't understand people. God is not a boss. He's a father. And I was thinking, pastor, <laughs> half of your congregation is Asian American. You do not think, you, you don't know how, how much of a baggage the word father is. Now, I'm not thinking a stereotype. I'm just saying that, that this is a significant kind of cultural archetype that exists within us. The word, the idea of father is complicated, right? It doesn't mean it's all bad, it's complicated. 
Now here, white pastors thinking, well, I'm doing something. I'm making some kind of a grandiose statement about what being fatherhood means. And of course, God's a father. God's not a boss. He can't. He said he can't fire you. And I said, <laughs> he says, come on. I know people who've gotten disowned by fathers. I'd rather have my white white boss sometimes. At least I can take a HR, right? What do you mean? Hmm. Now it doesn't mean that the truth is not true. What he misunderstood was how much you have to unpack that. Right? That unpacking is very loaded. So he was misunderstanding his congregation. He's misunderstanding how the message is heard. So it's one example. I think another example that I, that I point to, I'm, I'm a systematic theologian, and I always point out that it's strange that family is not a theological uh, locus in dogmatics. Like family just mm. doesn't, doesn't exist. You start with humanity, and then you go to individual. Mm. And I know it's weird because Catholics don't do it that way. Right. I was just this morning I was driving and following this car and, and it said Holy Family Catholic Parish. And I was like, oh yeah, family is really important for Catholics. So even if you're coming from the Western tradition, if you're Catholic, families matter. Mm. All this parenting family, all that, there's a long tradition of taking family really seriously, but not the Protestant tradition. So it's a very particular mm. tradition. Now, if you went to seminary and you learned systematic theology, you didn't think that family was a topic. But what's weird is that the Bible doesn't address it that way. The, I mean, families all over the Bible. Yeah. What I'm saying is scholars have filtered out what's relevant to them you know, in their theology. And systematic theology is supposed to be a, a kind of a summary of what's significant, right? Organizing your faith. Yeah, it's a canon together. of what's significant. <laughs> and if you leave out certain things, it doesn't matter. Now, you look at Asian American churches. I mean, one of the biggest things we struggle with on a regular basis is the place of family. Is it important? Is it not important? What about your faith and family? What about Where is the place of family? With the, is the church a family? All those different ideas. Is but, it an idol, right? Yeah. But what if you don't know how to think theologically about family? I mean, unless you take like a pastor care class in seminary, most pastors, if they were trained in these seminaries, they're not going to think about family theologically. They don't know how. Hmm. That's a contextual thing. That is not a biblical thing. It's a contextual thing. It's a Western individualistic contextual thing. That's a huge problem, not only for Asian Americans, of course it impacts us significantly, but for everybody in America. Hmm. That's why there's a, there's a hodgepodge of nonsensical family ministry stuff <laughs> out there. I mean, our, our theological resources about family in North America overall isn't that great. Because we don't know where it fits in. So that's one example. Yeah. I, I actually want to make the connection as we pivot back to our original question, and that's why our stories matter. And I was just I was just thinking as you're talking that I think if we were to ask that question in many of our seminaries, we would we would immediately go to our individual stories and why they matter. And as I as you're speaking, I'm thinking as we tell our stories as Asian Americans, like our stories are bound up with the story of our family. We can't separate those out or it's very difficult. Um, they bear on one another. You know, if God cares about all of who we are, how the experience of our families and how that influences and shapes who we are, uh, what kinds of things in our Asian American experience should we think about? And should we take seriously as we think about theology and as we think about ministry? You, you've mentioned family. Are there other things that isn't in our normal systematic theological canon that have just gone missing? And so in our churches, we don't talk about these things 
or if we do, they're in some kind of cursory or even stereotypical way. Are there particular things that you think are critical that we talk about? And I hope that we get to these things in, in uh, upcoming episodes. But can you just name a few? Yeah, I mean, the idea is the fact that you'll pick up a book on normal Christian discipleship and the five topics they include there, you think that's universal. What we're saying is that might not be. Hmm. One topic might have to be expanded to three, right? So we actually have eight. Or there might be other topics altogether where some topics might not be as important as you think it is. What I'm saying is that didn't come from the sky. <laughs> God, didn't, God didn't organize topics that way. So uh, what do we do with our Asian heritage, right? So that's one topic. Do we say that it's all pagan and get rid of it? Um, <laughs> when you read like the Narnians, right? You see uh, an English person, a British person who's basically dealing with Christianizing their heritage, basically. The pagan heritage, totally pagan. Like Chronicles Narnia is a pagan story, right? <laughs> or even like Lord of the Rings. Those are pagan stories. They're saying, what does it mean to imagine God, hmm. Christian imagination through those heritages? That's really, really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Or even talking about Plato or Socrates or, you know, I mean, they're, once again, thinking about the heritage and saying, what does it really mean? The truth is there. Why don't we do that with our Asian heritage, with Confucianism, Taoism, you know, Hinduism? I mean, we know these are Christian, obviously. But how do you take them and say, this is somehow part of our lives because I can't get rid of them. It's not like I can cleanly wash myself of these things. And no one would I really want to because if I wash myself of them, I lose too much. Hmm. Uh, what does that mean? Now, like I said, Western tradition, they've done this for like hundreds and thousands of years, right? It's just that it sounds weirder when we think about it from an Asian tradition. But there's no reason why we shouldn't. And if we don't do it, these things will not, we will not be fully transformed. That's one thing. What does it mean to be a racial minority, right? That's a real thing, right? I mean, the race is a big thing. And even though we don't think that it's a relevant issue, it's a relevant issue for Asian Americans. Historically, it's been for hundreds of years in Asian Americans. So, um, or I guess, you know, 150 years of Asian American history. Different traumas that are there. How does all this relate to our faith, discipleship, preaching? I mean, there's so many questions about mm-hmm. these things. How do they all relate together? Because we are trying to allow uh, all of ourselves to be transformed. And if we don't know how to kind of bring that into God's presence, it's going to have a life of its own. Hmm. A lot of people, when they go home, they don't know how the gospel relates to family relationships. Why? Because that's not how we think about faith. That's like family issues. That's like some counseling thing. It's not about the gospel. Hmm. But that's a weird idea because that's not not how the Bible talks. Hmm. You know, so I think that's, that's, those are some of the issues I think we need to kind of at least have words to articulate and then to bring in to God's presence. Yeah, I'm really glad that you're providing a resource hub, the centered website where you're creating a community where you are offering resources to the issues and questions that are important, important for um, Asian Americans and Asian American Christians in particular. Daniel, as we kind of wrap up today, uh, can you give a final word and encouragement to our listeners? Many times people ask me, what is the Asian American contribution? As Christians, don't we have something to contribute? And, uh, and I tell them, our contribution will not happen, but us trying hard. It's a typical Asian American way, mm-hmm. right? Just try harder. No, our contribution happens as we take our situation, our pains, our questions seriously, and to see how God 
works in the midst of those things. When we do that, that's when we have gifts to give to the whole world. So as we take God seriously, we need to take our questions and ourselves as covenantal partners of God seriously. We're creating a community here at Centering, so we invite you to join the conversation by sending us your comments and questions at centeringpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at centered.today for a list of shows and other resources. This episode of Centering the Podcast on Asian American Christianity is produced by Jason Chu. Editing is by Carl Cathedral with music by Mark Redito. I'm your host, Kevin Doy. Above all else, we want to remind you that God embraces all of who you are.